This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Interest rates are higher. I know people don't like that, but you should be welcoming a stronger economy. Maybe a deal has a point about the machinery of capitalism being oiled with the blood of the workers. The United States is a country that has always paid all of its bills. Lannister always pays his debts. Don't let the bastards get you. Hello and welcome to Comedian vs. Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam, and we're joined as always by my little older brother and real life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, g'day, Adam. How are you going? Doing very well, thank you. Had a busy weekend. Went to the Moscow Circus. Oh. Kids to the Moscow Circus. Wow. Yeah. Not quite the same since the sanctions, but. Um... <laughs> <laughs> when do you reckon the last time the Moscow Circus was actually in Moscow? <laughs> They've been here since the 60s, haven't they? Uh, yeah, I think it is an Australian-owned company. It's actually nothing to do with Moscow anymore. But still seeing all of those little clown soldiers coming out of the clown tank was quite uh, was quite entertaining. <laughs> uh, massive show, Thomas, coming up as always. <laughs> Utah, Utah, a whole US state is suing TikTok for existing um, unless you've been living under a rock, you'd know that the 2023 Nobel Prize in Economic Science was awarded last Monday. We've got all the goss from the red carpet to the after parties. And could astronaut be the latest look for summer? Prada thinks so and has gone long, really long spacesuits. But first, traders this week were yelling, Birkenstocks after the Birkenstock IPO. <laughs> uh, Thomas, yeah. uh, Birkenstock IPO this week. Uh, yeah. How'd Ber- that go? Birkenstock. Birkenstock? Yeah. 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 No, it was a flop, unfortunately. Nah. Yeah. Flip flop. Flip flopped. Yeah. <laughs> Birkenstock flip flopped. Mm. Yeah, one point. Yeah, they raised one point five billion in an IPO, so pretty. Yeah, pretty big. But uh, on the opening day, it was down eleven percent, and just checking this morning, it's down twenty two percent. So, oh yeah, IPO price of forty six dollars mm. a share. Now it's down to thirty six. So, little bit disappointing. I think I know. I think I know where they went wrong. I think it's that they went all in mm-hmm. sandals. I don't know that sandal, like if you're going to have a one product to just shape a whole company around, sandals, never been cool. Uh, and even though they're kind of, I get that they're kind of cool. Yeah. Still sandals. Yeah, Crocs listed listed on the New York Stock Exchange too, though. Did they? How'd they go? I see, I see a lot of people wearing Crocs now, a lot of the cool kids. Don't know, couldn't tell you. I, I've, I've got a pair of Birkenstocks. I might surprise you to know. Oh, really? 
And I hate them. Oh. I, I actually hate them. I call them stone catchers because uh. that seems like like your standard rubber thong, mm-hmm. which I quite enjoy, mm-hmm. always have, real traditionalist. The big advantage with the rubber thong is the stones just, uh. they just fall out when you walk. Uh, yeah. Even if you get a stone, they just, they've got somewhere to go. The Birkenstock have got those raised ridges around the edge that seem <laughs> like they are purely designed to just <laughs> catch and trap stones in your in your thong and like I feel like whenever I wear them I'm just walking around and I'm stopping every 10 meters to <laughs> empty my Birkenstocks <laughs> of all the Birkenrocks Birken <laughs> 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 that are in there and so even if they were comfortable which I don't I'm still not the jury's still out like people keep telling me now mm. you got to wear them in and then you'll love them mm, they mm. just mold to your feet I've had them for 12 months and at best, they're my good going out thong. I can wear them to like mm. the Christmas day when it's hot, mm. but you still need to look a bit nice. You wear your Birkenstocks and people are like, oh, fancy. Um, well, maybe they're not. <laughs> well, look, he's wearing Birkenstocks <laughs> with his singlet on Christmas day. <laughs> I don't want to slam Birkenstocks. That work, kick them when they're down. Yeah. They've had a rough, rough week. week. Well, rough week. That weighs $1.5 billion. They're doing all right. Mm. So they'll be okay. Yeah, I love my Birkenstocks. Yeah, you, you'd like your Birkenstocks. I think it's. Though. I think your problem is just the gimpy way that you walk. Pulls <laughs> <laughs> in the rock. It's, it's my stubborn <laughs> gait as I <laughs> as I limp around. I, I think I do spend a lot of time walking through gravelly surfaces for some right, reason. Yeah, Adelaide's a bit like that. <laughs> I wrote a letter to the council asking them to pave a bit of footpath. I'm getting, I'm getting rocks in because my the, Birkenstock. <laughs> I know we've got a lot of problems in the world at the moment, but I did actually write a letter to our local council because they, they'd paved the whole street except this one bit where there was like cracker dust off to the side of the paved bit. I'm like, just pave that bit. I feel like we're way away from yeah, Wall Street here. Yeah, big issues. Yeah, Yeah, it was a bit of a flop. I think I think the interesting thing we we'll just cut straight to it, but so Professor Scott Galloway has had an interesting piece a few weeks ago saying that a lot of these days, so in the past, IPOs used to be how you raised a massive amount of capital. So you, you took it public because that's where all the money was, and if you really wanted to f- fuel your growth, you took the company private, and so you took the company public, and then pulled in all the capital, and then used that mm. capital to grow. Um, and he's saying like in the, in the past 10, 15 years, the game has changed because we've now got all this private equity. So these like private conglomerations of mass with like you've got your, your sovereign wealth funds and your big venture capital firms like SoftBank and that sort of thing. And they have so much money there ready to go that a company that's looking to fund growth doesn't need to go public anymore. There's enough, there's enough private options available. Ah, right. And so Birkenstock, for example, mm. they're owned by El Catterton, which is a private equity firm. So, yeah, so it's already in private hands. So, so it's already gone through that phase of like raising, raising money to fund growth, which sort of means that by the time these days, by the time it's, a company's going public, it's kind of had all the juice sucked out of it because it doesn't, it's not, it's not at the cusp of a big growth wave. Now it's kind of now it's at the tail end of a growth wave yeah, and right. the private equity owners are like, oh, how can we get one more squeeze of juice out of the goon bag? And we'll, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll take it public. Mm. 
Uh, yeah, right. So, like, when Google went public, before it went public, it had raised just $26 million from, pri- from private equity. So, almost nothing. Right. Netflix, Netflix had raised $102 million. Scott Galloway saying, like, last week there were six hundred million dollar venture capital deals closed so private investments worth over a hundred million six of them in the last week spacex which is you know massive that's raised 9.4 billion dollars across several rounds and none of it with going public that's Mm. all private money yeah okay you know so if you can raise 9.4 billion dollars What's the logic of going public anymore? Because you don't you don't need that that massive injection of fund of money to fund growth, and I think that's why we've seen you know, people now talking about the troubled IPO market. And there's been a number of flops, like Instacart last month, and, and there's a whole bunch of them. But it's like, yeah, like he, he's saying, like, well, the game's just changed. The IPO isn't what it used to be. And so if you're investing in an IPO, you kind of invested after all of the juice has been sucked out of the deal. So mm. I did I did hear that the Birkenstock thing, though, was that the family, because the, the fa- mm. it was a family-owned business, Birkenstocks, but apparently there was like a ton of infighting and like people not getting on in the family. And so I think the private equity firm maybe in this case, someone said, oi, oh, you guys okay. can't manage right. this anymore. Like. You're a complete. The company's turned. It's going to turn into a basket case. Like, yeah, love, lovely basket. <laughs> like, really well made leather, <laughs> soft leather handle. Yeah. But a basket case, a basket case, nonetheless. So that was one of their justifications for going public. Was kind of going, look, we're just going to put this in the hands of the people, and not in the hands of these sandal wearing <laughs> family. <laughs> Yeah. So what, where to from here for Birkenstock? Win, no maybe? idea. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I think it's more interesting what it says about IPOs now. And I think, yeah, like I, I think we haven't caught up to the reality of what IPOs are mm. now. Yeah. And like if you're investing in an IPO, you need to be aware, you need to be looking at how much private money they've raised, which tells you how much, you know, how much of the ju- juice has been sucked out of it. Mm. And I don't know, it might, it might actually be dead. Like it's just like private, private, Equity has found a way to organise itself into massive amounts now, which wasn't the case, you know, fifteen years ago. So it's just it's just a different game. Can we are we going to see? So private equity is one thing. Like, can there be like, like how do I get in on it? So like, how do I get into the? Can I get into it? Like you can't get in. No, as a, no, no. As this a is punter, no. can you? Like, because it used to be like you do it through the share market. Like yeah. I can buy Birkenstock shares, but as you say, now the juice has been sucked out of the out of the stock before it's even launched. Now I want to get in early. Like surely we can crowdfund something. Isn't there like a GoFundMe campaign or something we could come up go, with? Go, fun- go fund a, a community, <laughs> like a community garden, like, <laughs> but, a, but an actual community <laughs> private equity Right, yeah, firm. like a, a crowdsource a SPAC <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Maybe, but then you need someone who knows what they're doing managing it. Yeah, I don't know. I, th- that's prob- I think that's probably right. Oh, that <laughs> counts me out. That's probably you might you might see like a the, the democratization of private equity. Mm, surely. Some kind of fund offering that in the next five, ten years. I reckon let's 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 name that as a prediction from C V E. Okay. Some democratic version of private equity in the next five to ten years. Have to happen. Have to. I just nominate myself not to be in charge of it. <laughs> I second that motion. <laughs> <laughs> All right, first meeting, done. <laughs> 
<laughs> unanimously decided where the Adam will not lead the democratized private equity. <laughs> All right, Thomas, the state of Utah is suing TikTok. What are they upset about? Yeah, TikTok is too good. Apparently, yeah, they're yeah. Well, they're accusing it of harming children by intentionally keeping young users spending too much time on the app, unhealthy amounts of time on the app. Mm. Don't disagree. Don't disagree. But mm. they it was also exactly as it says on the box, right? Like that's exactly what they kind of advertise yeah. that they do. A little, yeah, I think. I mean, I think this is why it is interesting that it, it's kind of saying like because really what they're attacking is not so much TikTok as the business model mm. of TikTok. And the science that goes into app design, right? Because it's not just TikTok, right? Like it's all all the social media apps are working with the same science of like creating addictive gameplay kind of thing. So it's it is interesting that that we're going after TikTok. Utah's following, I think Arkansas and Iowa, right? They're also they're also suing TikTok. Interesting. That, so why are the states? getting in like why is this happening at a state level i think in america the states are in charge of consumer protection ah okay so it's they're they're saying it's a consumer protection sort of issue Mm. that there there's this sort of addictive things being marketed to children Mm. and that's not okay so that's a consumer protection story right yeah okay and i think there's some cash in it like they're they're, (laughs) Ah, (laughs) yes (laughs) well yeah so they're they're going after civil penalties which means cash Plus a change, uh, plus a change right. in their things. But it was, yeah, I mean, interesting. There's fifty odd states. Three of them are suing. Like, mm. like if like one gets up, like surely other states go. Oh, going to cash in on that. Mm. And I think I know the answer to this question. But why are they picking on TikTok in particular? Yeah, I mean, I think or particular. You might. Pat- <laughs> <laughs> That's quality comedy. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think, I think that it's a Chinese company definitely, mm. definitely helps. Arkansas is going after Facebook or Meta as well. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, they're they're also there. Maybe like they're saying that like TikTok does it doesn't do such a good job of protecting children. Mm. So it's it's really a like it's interesting. Like like you know, your Utah's Attorney General said it's highly powerful algorithms and manipulative design features, many of which mimic features of slot machines. Mm. Um, and young consumers are be- becoming hooked. It's like, well, that's true of young people, but it's also true of regular people. Mm. So, and true of slot machines. And true of, sl- <laughs> true of slot machines, exactly. <laughs> like, why don't we? What, are they getting rid of those as well? Oh, yeah, I think. I mean, I think that is the inconsistency, right? Like, mm. yeah, like we're kind of saying, like, we children are too young to protect themselves from addictions of gambling like addictions mm, but it's yeah. not it's not clear to me that adults are you know really resourced to protect themselves from gambling like addiction that being said utah i think utah is one of the more conservative states like they it's a to you've heard of police state it's the fun police state i think utah um they have really strict like there's no gambling of any kind allowed in utah is that right is that right wow it's Mormon, right? Is, it, is that right? It's a yeah, part of it the is. Mormon belt. Yeah, yeah, right. I think so. Mm. Uh, they've got really strict alcohol laws too. So right, right. It's illegal to buy a drink at a bar or restaurant before eleven thirty in the morning. Ooh. Illegal. Mm. Wow. Well, get this: beer kegs are banned in Utah. What? Mm. 
Wow. Beer kegs. <laughs> Obviously, I don't know. I don't know what the rationale is. Um, I was reading this when you told me we were talking about Utah. I found some fun facts about Utah. You can't enter Utah with drinks in your car. Wow. So you can't have an esky and drive from whatever's next, to, next door to Utah ah. into Utah. And you can't ship alcohol to your house. So... So, wow, there you go. Yeah. So I think they are pretty conservative. So mm. it's kind of no surprise in that sense that they're like, we don't want this gambling type, anything of a gambling nature, and then take that and then go, we definitely don't want this that looks a lot like, has all the traits of like a gambling thing mm, mm. targeted at children. So maybe that's... Yeah. What did um, what did TikTok say about all this? Have they? Uh, well, yeah, the CEO responded in a duet. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> Just as the Attorney General speaking, it's just like side side by side screen him just shaking his head going. He's <laughs> just watching. <laughs> See my reacts to the <laughs> to the Attorney General. Right. Um no, that makes sense. Yeah, but it was only twenty seconds and then so he couldn't really couldn't he couldn't get much of a point across. Mm, that's all he needed. What are the implications of if any then for for other apps, then an app design in general, like, are they? Gonna, is everyone going to have to change? Can we? Can we go like, let's stop doing this at all in apps? I mean, I think I think this is this is where the psychology of apps, I think, is getting very interesting. Yeah, if you if you ban TikTok on these grounds, like all of the science of TikTok's been developed through other games. So, like, if you ban TikTok, surely Candy Crush Saga is next on next yeah. on your list or any like literally anything angry birds mm. duolingo party poker <laughs> duolingo yeah duolingo man it's totally gamified you win gems every time you do a lesson oh yep yeah, well yeah you get push note you get an angry you know disappointed owl messaging you if you miss a lesson so i've got a nine-year-old daughter at home lily she's learning gaelic through oh. duolingo like she's just got this fascination with Ireland. I don't know where it's come from, but she's got a fascination with Ireland. She wants to go there. Um, she's already looking at boarding schools, um, <laughs> which I'm fully supportive of. But she's been on the internet yeah. um, and she's been learning Gaelic yeah, right. um, using Duolingo. And I was like, oh, that's a good activity. Like that's harmless. But you're, now you're telling me that's all gamified. But I'm not worried about that being gamified because yeah. it's kind of you do want some little incentives to – don't well, you? I mean, that's the idea. That's the idea. Well, we're saying we we're saying we can't gamify anything anymore because yeah, because it's it's too much like gambling. How about we just get rid of gambling? <laughs> that's, that's, I feel like we're tackling this at the wrong end of the stick here. <laughs> we're we're creating too many things that are like gambling that are going to encourage gambling. Why don't we get rid of gambling? And... Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I think I think I think with TikTok with social media is we know that it has a big impact on mental health on physical True. development, yeah. on self-esteem. So it has all these negative effects. I don't know that's been demonstrated with Duolingo that, you know, that or or even with Candy Crush Saga that it's impacting. So I think, it, I think it's not so much that it's addictive, it's that it's addictive mm. plus physically detrimental. And I, I think the big, well, the big difference between TikTok and Candy Crush 2 is the social element. Like it's, mm. it's seeing other people, it's then seeking... And I'm no, I'm no um, psychologist, obviously, but it's then seeking the approval of others. It's getting the reacts from other people, getting the likes, getting the the comments, getting whatever it is. And so Mm-mm-mm. that, like, it changes then from gamification to something more like social. And then there's you know bullying and all the other stuff that comes with those platforms. So 
I think, and I, and I think that's where a lot of the addictive kind of nature of it comes from is that need to then go like, oh, I published a video or whatever. Now I need to check back in every 20 minutes and see how many views it's got, how many likes it's got or whatever. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, yeah, so there's, there's two things. There's the gamification and the addictive nature of it and then there's mm. the impact of the, the product itself, mm. and which is sort of interesting because it doesn't sound like TikTok's disputing the impact of the product. Like the science kind of seems fairly settled. Like social media hasn't really pushed back on the idea that I've seen that social media is bad for you. Mm. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's, it's the combination of those two. But yeah. I've <laughs> really lent into it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sure is. Here, watch a video on why social media is bad for you. Uh, all right, why don't we take a break here, grab a quick word from this week's sponsor and be back with more Comedian versus Economist right after this. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back. You're on Comedian versus Economist. We do ask you to uh, rate and review the show uh, and often we say it and maybe you're sitting there thinking, I don't think they're talking to me. They don't really mean it. But we'd love it if you did. <laughs> uh, so wherever you get this podcast, while you're listening to the second half, perhaps if you could leave us a rating or a review, that would be much appreciated. But Thomas. Nobel prizes were handed out last week. CVE, did we did we win the the economics E one? No, no, passed what? over again. I feel like only I feel like only half of our show is really put it, pushing the economics prize mm. credentials. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Well, who did win? The winner was a professor at Harvard uh, called Claudia oh, yeah. Golden, um, but she doesn't even have a comedy podcast. So. What? How can anyone yeah. even take her seriously? <laughs> no, she won. Uh, well deserved. Is the general consensus. Mm -hmm. um, her her work's famous for she's sort of an, an economic historian, and her specific focus has been on uh, gender inequality, particularly the gender pay gap. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, done a, yeah a lot of work on that. Written yeah written quite a few books. Yeah, and sort of sort of pioneering in that field, sort of like. Saying like we can we talk about the gender pay gap now largely because of because of Golden's work. So I'm assuming like I haven't tuned into this for a little bit. <laughs> Maybe I'm symptomatic of the whole problem. Um, why is there still a pay gap? I'm assuming there is still the pay gap, and she's researching it. So. Yeah, thirteen thirteen percent across OECD, wow. which is exactly where Australia's is. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's what her work was saying, particularly like. In sort of, it, it used to be about the different kinds of jobs that people people did. That there used to be a difference between the mm. jobs that men went into and jobs women went into, uh, but that's less of a factor now. And now it's more about within within career right. differentials. 
so within the same job that makes it e- that makes it an easier concept for me to understand i think like when we talk about a gender pay gap if you can kind of go like this person's a doctor and this person's a doctor why does this person get paid more than that person um mm. whereas it used to be a bit murky when it yeah. was kind of like well this person's doing yeah. one job and this person's doing another one but there's a pay gap um because you go well because you, you could dismiss it i think you go well they chose a different career or yeah, whatever. Yeah, no, the, yes, you, yeah, the, the career definitely is, yeah, within the same job, there's still a, a sizable differential. Right. Interesting that what she found is that when, when people leave university, pay rates uh, for men and women are pretty much the same. Right. And uh, largely remain the same for the first few years of employment. Mm. You only start seeing a differential after a decade or so. And she's saying this is when people enter the, like having families, start having families. And that's when the pay gap starts to widen because mm. women typically devote more time to childcare. The really interesting thing she talks about is saying we have these greedy jobs, what she calls greedy jobs. And these are jobs that require people to give more and more time to the job. And are, like you, if you're going to say, like if you're a high, high paid lawyer or business consultant or banker, mm. there's an expectation that if you're going to earn the real big bucks, that you're there for the job 24-7. Right, yep. You know, and you're not calling in saying, oh, sorry, I've got to take the kids to soccer practice or sorry, my toddler's Mm. at home sick, I've got to stay home. And so she calls them greedy jobs because they suck in, there's this expectation that they suck in all this personal time and own it. Right. And you get a very high pay rate because of that. Yeah, so that that sucks in. And, And she's saying like, what happens is that the household, if, you, if your household has a, has a male and a female in it and the female's sort of remaining flexible looking after, looking after the kids, it's just, it just it makes economic sense for that household unit to choose to abandon the 50-50 yep. parental care roles and let the male breadwinner earn heaps of money because the more that they just tap out of family life and give to, the, give to their greedy job, the more money they're going to make. Yeah, that makes sense. So the yeah, the job's greedy. I've gone the other way. I've just I've just gone approached my my work and said I want to go four days a week. So here I am. Um, right, and and you're you're a kind of classic example because you've you've got it. You've taken a, mm. a pay cut and stepped down a yeah. role in order to be able to do that right. And that's what she's saying. Like those higher executive level mm. roles don't give you that option. You've got to be on call all the time. If 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 the kids need something, there's the expectation that it's not going to be you. That's calling into work and going like, ah, oh, I can't, I can't come in. Yeah, we've even got that expectation at home. If the kids need something, it's usually not going to be me that's, <laughs> that's capable of serving right. their needs. <laughs> 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 yes, but you've carefully cultivated that expectation. No, family. no, it's just general incompetence. It's one of the one of the few advantages. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, right. So, well, okay, where, where to from here? Are we going to be able to close the pay gap? Well, she, yeah, she's saying until we get rid of greedy jobs and, and this, you know, saying like households are bribed to move away from that 50-50, you know, household works split. Yeah, right. Until we get rid of those kind of greedy jobs, it's going to stick around and we're going to be, we're going to be stuck with it. Yeah. It's amazing that, that, that we even want the greedy jobs to begin with. Like, you know, like I, I get uh, some people are driven by a lot of money um and that sort of endless pursuit to just keep making more and more money and that is the answer then to try and get rid of the greedy jobs and and get give people a offer a better work-life balance or are we saying there are some roles um high-flying corporate ceo role or whatever where the expectation is the company owns you for the duration of the of your employment and if you don't want to do it you will find someone else 
Yeah, I think I think that's it. I think that's yeah. Until that expectation shifts, then it's not going to happen. But if you're paying two hundred thousand dollars for a lawyer, you don't want. Sorry, my toddlers can't come in. <laughs> so there's also that expectation that needs to shift as well. Yeah, I feel like there's a sitcom or some sort of comedy series in that, like just this series of greedy jobs where yeah, people aren't right. fully committed to it. <laughs> we need the best damn lawyer in the yeah, city. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can't. He's He's on child, child care duties today. Okay, Thomas, finally on the show, Prada, fashion brand famous for suits. Now they're expanding into a different kind of suits. What's going on? Mm, yeah, space suits. They're going to start space building suits. space suits. Ah, nice. I'm looking forward to Paris Fashion Week. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, they walk out in some, like it wouldn't, the, the worst yeah. thing is, that someone walking out in an astronaut suit at Paris Fashion Week wouldn't actually raise an eyebrow. Everyone would be yeah. like, mm, edgy. I like edgy. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, they've they've got they're they're teaming up with a space company called Axiom Space and mm. they're being commissioned by NASA to design the spacesuits for the Artemis three mission. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's gonna be Artemis three is the first crewed moon landing since nineteen seventy two. So first right. people back on the moon. And they're gonna, it's going to put the first woman on the moon too. Uh, does it, don't tell me that's the. That's not that's the reason, the right? Okay. No, Good. no, no, no. They're not. Well, like, better, 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 she better get better some. Look nice. You best look her best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to think that's not true. I hope it's not. I hope, <laughs> I hope, it's not I hope by the time you've you've done your uh, space engineering degree and you've gained the credibility in your field as a scientist to be flown to the moon, that. It's not. It's not at all about fashion. By the time you land, but also like, also, why are we getting fashion designers to design spacesuits? Mm, I don't know. Well, so when I heard this story, my immediate thought was, this isn't at all about this mission. That this is about the future of space travel, and they're kind of setting like getting in now, right? Because at some time, at some point in the not too distant future, mm. we're we've already seen like. Um, like what do they call it? Like recreational spacecraft that go to the edge of the atmosphere and whatever. Like we're gonna mm-hmm. space tourism is gonna be a uh, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're gonna need suits. And who's gonna be the first people to fly into space? Ah. Rich people, Thomas. Rich people are gonna yeah, be the first yeah, people to yeah, fly yeah. into space. Like, like ah. Kim and Kanye aren't flying into space wearing Supre and cotton on. I'll give you the strong tip. They're gonna ah. want the Prada. Spacesuit with the matching Prada luggage, space luggage. <laughs> so that's my tip here: is that Prada are going like let's positioning themselves. Yeah, we're yeah. the we are the the boutique fashion house for all your space wear needs when you start traveling, and they'll have the leg up on the competition. I reckon. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I mean, my my thought was this is branding some branding genius and like it wouldn't surprise me if Prada paid to be part of this this co- oh, yeah. collaboration because yes yeah, this epic branding like yeah we we're designing spacesuits for NASA like that's a pretty that's a nice feather in the cap mm. I think especially because it's a partnership too it makes it easy that they could do like next to nothing like yeah <laughs> They yeah. just supplied the shoelaces on the space boots. Like the astronauts are wearing Prada shoelaces with their NASA-designed everything else. And so 
if it's just a brand exercise to get their brand there, then I don't know. I haven't read any of the details, obviously. <laughs> Axiom Space CEO Michael Safrendi or Safredini, um, yeah, he's, he's saying Prada's technical expertise with raw materials, manufacturing techniques, and innovative design, design concepts mm. will bring advanced technologies instrumental. Oh yeah, mm. blah blah. Something it's going to be awesome. So I mean, it is true. They 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 do have a lot of experience working with clothes and mm. materials and you know sewing things together so oh, no that, at that level it might be true but then he says but they also bring the much needed human factor considerations absent from legacy spacesuits <laughs> got any idea what the human factor considerations absent from legacy spacesuits is uh, yeah, well, the spacesuits never used to take into account on which side do you dress, sir. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and could lead if you're going to spend you're going to spend spend three and a half weeks in space, you want some comfortable fitting boxes to to be in. He's saying that you don't want to be dressed on the wrong side. Yeah, I think so. That's an important consideration. So Prada has a Prada sponsors the Italian America's Cup yacht sailing team. Thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Did you did you see the photo I sent you of the of the Prada sailing team uniform? Oh no, I sent it to you. It's not it's not pretty. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually just weird. Yeah. Have a Google it. Have a look. It's pretty weird. Yeah, I don't know. I, who knows why? I, I suspect it's a long term play. Um, yeah. What, what I what I most look forward to though is on our next uh, on our next trip to Bali, being able to buy cheap knockoff Prada spacesuits <laughs> <laughs> from some guy in a market in Kuta, <laughs> and have him tell me that it's a genuine Prada spacesuit, even though it's like a painted Coke bottle on the back. <laughs> <laughs> that's not an oxygen tank. That's... <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, why don't we leave it there? Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. We really do appreciate it. Uh, that's all for us for this week. Uh, until next time, it is bye for now. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.